This is the Journey 66 Book Writing Podcast. I'm Melissa Parks with Dave Getz, and we are your road trip advisors. You may be at mile marker one and just thinking about an idea for a book, or maybe you've gone off-road in your writing and you want to restart the journey. Join Dave and me as we help you buckle up and write. If you're an aspiring writer, you likely have heard the phrase, finding your voice. It's almost become cliche in writing circles. But the idea is this, we each have a unique voice, but it's locked up inside of us, and somehow we need to discover it. Discovery, of course, is a journey. You don't find your voice all at once. You find your voice over time as you actively write. Today, Dave is going to interview me about my journey to finding my writing voice, a voice I didn't think I had but was there all along. Dave, before you interview me, I want to ask you how you would describe your writing voice, and also how long did it take you to find your voice and feel comfortable with it? I would describe my voice a bit like the sitcom The Simpsons, (laughs) the long-running animated comedy on Fox. One part sarcasm, one part funny, one part perhaps stupid, but there is a sense of sarcasm in in my writing and one of the complaints of death by suburb was when people read the book they didn't know when i was winking at them and they didn't know when i was making a statement about something and that was actually the point of the book i was mocking myself in death by suburb and in so doing i was attempting to mock the whole apparatus of the suburbs. Are you sarcastic in real life? I think I know the answer to that. Would people describe (laughs) you as that? I think I am a little bit, but (laughs) I also am passionate about the insight. And so if you read my writing and you like it, and some don't, right? And even the Fly Fisher's Book of Lists, by the way, had a real funny edge to it. We mocked ourselves, but we mocked each other and it really was a it was a fun read. And right. so we thought, we're not gonna write another boring fly fishing book, right? There's tons of seriousness about reflection and being on the river and the deep part of that. We thought, no, we're gonna write something really fun for new fly fishers, the Fly Fisher's Book of Lists. So I do think I am pretty clear on my voice. Obviously you dial it up or dial it down based on the kind of writing you're doing. Right. But uh, I'm, I'm pretty clear in the voice. So I'd like to begin, though, and ask you, what is voice and why is it important? Well, I think it goes back to what you just said about the fly fishing book arena, right? There are those books that are very serious and contemplative, and then yours, on the other hand, was more fun. So if you have the same content, then what's going to make a book unique? And it really comes down to voice. And it's also what makes a book readable. If you don't have a voice, then people are going to drop that book, not pick it up, not read it. It's not going to take them on the journey through the book. So voice is really, one, I think how you distinguish yourself, and two, how you delight a reader and how you say things. That's really, really strong. You, in our online course, do the two lessons on voice, and you talk about voice being like the scent that you 
I forget. It was really right, an right, interesting right. idea. So talk a little bit about that. Right. I have a friend who, when she hugs me, she always says, oh, you smell like that Tide detergent that your family uses. And I think you walk into a person's home and their home smells like the Getz home or my parents. At my parents' home smells like the Davis home. The old people's home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ironically, Jerry's parents, the Parks home smells a little bit different and they're old also. So it's, <laughs> it's this idea that, that we all have this unique scent or maybe you have a lipstick that you like to wear. It's a bright pink or you have a style of clothing that's uniquely you. The same thing is true of voice. It's what makes you unique in your writing and it lingers with somebody. It's what people remember when they put the book down. They feel something and it, and it, and it has this emotional effect that dry writing without a voice doesn't have. One of the most unique voices today is Anne Lamott. Now, some of you younger writers may not know of her, but she has written all sorts of spirituality books. Uh, some of her books are Traveling Mercies, and uh, one on writing, I think, is Bird by Bird. And when you read Anne Lamott, you go, yep, that's Anne Lamott. Yeah, she, it's so distinct, and her voice is so clear. And and it's so wonderful to read her because you know she's gonna have a, a certain take on something. So having, you're right, you are so right, so having a unique voice creates differentiation in your, in your writing and in the market. Absolutely, and it makes people wanna pick up the next book. If they have a good feeling when you write that first book or even makes them wanna pick up the next chapter, they finish a chapter and they wanna pick up the next chapter and read the next chapter because they feel something. So you, mentioned in the intro that you didn't think you had a writing voice. So let's start there. Tell our listeners a little bit about why. Why didn't you think you had a voice, especially someone like you who is an English major? Right. Well, I think it all goes back to my basic insecurity that developed when an English teacher in high school my freshman year told me I couldn't write. Oof. I got back... Oof. I would get back papers, final papers, with lower grades than my rough drafts. I remember getting back one essay. It was a creative writing assignment about Shakespeare, and she wanted us to finish a story. And so I finished it. And at the top, in red ink, she said, no, no, no. This is terrible. <gasps> and that, mm. wow. in that moment, what I heard was, I'm a terrible writer, and there's no way I can write. And it just it blocked me. It made me think that there was no potential. So it went back to there. I ended up having some positive experiences in high school that then led me down this path to actually pursuing an English degree in my undergrad and then a PhD. But what ended up happening is I learned how to write a very specific way in undergrad and graduate school. When you're an English major, you learn to write like an academic. That's what they value. That's what you get A's for. You don't get A's for being creative. You don't get A's for voice. You get A's for being academic. And it's re it's research heavy. So you, the research is at the top of the writing. It's at the surface it's of the, the writing. It's at the surface, yeah. right. Because you're having to always nod to people who have made a similar argument to what you're making. There, it's very erudite, there's complex sentence structure, there's theoretical, philosophical language, there's multisyllabic words, and I remember often going to dictionaries and looking for big words that I could put in papers because I thought that that would make an impression on the professor and get me a good grade. It didn't, and oftentimes, you know, the professor would circle it and say, 
WC, meaning word choice. So it didn't always work in my favor, but I remember thinking that using big words would be the path to an A. In many ways, that is all about rule following. Rule following, absolutely. I learned how to write a really good academic paper, but it was not my voice. And I also struggled to actually write because I wasn't writing with the voice. I was emulating what I thought an academic writer should do. So it wasn't my voice and I struggled to write because I, I was trying to mimic the model. So let's talk a little bit more about this insecurity that writers feel. Certainly having a teacher who writes no, no, no across your manuscript. And by the way, these are people that don't write themselves, right, right? right? Your high school teacher was not a writer and neither was your college professor. Right. So these people who create these insecurities in us are people who themselves are not writers. Right. It's so odd. But talk a little bit about that. So what's the noise in your head? And, and how did you keep going? You talked about some of that encouragement. Talk about one of those moments of encouragement. Right, absolutely. After Mrs. Garcia, my freshman year, I had a teacher whose name was Miss Greenwood. And I am who I am today because of Miss Greenwood. And I try to write her a letter at least once every few years to just tell her thank you because she changed my life's trajectory in the professional area, but I had to read Ray Bradbury's Fahrenheit 451 over the summer between my freshman and sophomore year. And our first assignment in that class when we came back was to write a one-page response essay to this book. And so I wrote it not knowing how to write. <laughs> and I get back the most loving response. There are some great ideas in here. I really like where you're going with your ideas. And that's all I needed to be motivated to pay wow. attention to Ms. Greenwood in the classroom was she thinks that I have good ideas, so maybe she can teach me how to write. And she taught me the basics of writing a five-point essay, which nobody up until that point had taught me. I didn't even learn that in middle school. So there were just some basic structural things that Ms. Greenwood taught me. But most of all, she just gave me this encouragement that I could think. And so much of writing is thinking and having ideas. I don't think it's so much so that the mechanics, but it's like being confident in what you're thinking and thinking creatively and not like everyone else thinks. And I feel like she really fostered that. What happens when you do that is that you start to trust your own creativity. And your own voice. Yeah, absolutely. And your own voice. Absolutely. I think, though, even people who didn't have a Miss Greenwood, maybe they are people who didn't have an English degree like I have. I think that noise comes up for them, too. Like, what right do I have to write a book? I don't have an English degree. I don't have even maybe a degree in the humanities where I did a lot of writing. So I think noise can come from a lot of different places, not just like the no, no, no on your English paper, but just this lack of credibility that people feel because they don't have a degree behind, a degree to support them. Yes. Who am I to do this? Right. 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 You always think of Ernest Hemingway, who graduated from high school, and that was it. Now, yes, he was a cub reporter for the Kansas City paper, and he you know, obviously started to make progress in his writing over time, but he didn't have a college degree. And so whatever the insecurity is, it can hold us back. How did it hold you back, do you think? I think I just didn't write. <laughs> Ooh, that's good. 
And I always said, I'm not a writer, I'm not a writer. And we do a lot of writing at CZ Strategy, our marketing agency. And all the time that I was doing writing there, I never considered myself a writer because I still had that message deep down that I wasn't a writer. And in my mind, I always thought a writer is somebody who who writes in journals and writes articles for uh, magazines and is working on a book project. And so in my mind, there were distinctive qualities of what a writer was, and I didn't think that I was one. I think the whole purpose of this episode is to encourage people, listen, push past that noise right. and just keep or start to write. Now, do you remember when you did start to work on your voice? Like, oh, I do have a voice. Was there a moment? Was there a time? Was it a series of unpredictable events? (laughs) (laughs) As I said in the introduction, I think it's when you discovering your voice is a journey. And for me, it was definitely a journey. And it started with working with you, who is a writer. (laughs) (laughs) But I came from academia to working with you, Dave. And I was grateful very early on you set this precedent of redlining my work which if you don't know what redlining is is when you go in word and you use the edit function and you cross out words that don't work and you you rewrite things just so the the writer can see how to improve their writing and that was incredibly instructive to me because you began to teach me about things like cadence like Melissa, you don't need five long, long sentences. Put in a short sentence every once in a while. And I never even thought about that. And you talked to me a lot about verbs. You don't need really and very before a verb. Just find a stronger verb. And so I started to look for stronger verbs and really slow down my writing process. So all of those things made me really conscientious. And I started to read books in a different way and articles and pay attention to other authors' word choices and the way that they would invert a sentence or the way that they would surprise me with the way that they wrote something. It just, it opened my eyes to the way that other people began to write. And then I just started to write on, of all places, Instagram. I opened up an Instagram account you've heard me talk about for McGillicuddy, which is my side hustle of selling vintage and antiques. And I I started to just share on there and I was very purposeful, especially early on about crafting my post because I really wanted to work on my writing. Which is hard to do when you're typing with your thumbs. Yeah. Typing with your thumbs and fingers. And at that point there was a real limit to how many words you could actually put in an Instagram post. So, you know, within 150 to 200 words, I had to get to the point. And that really helped because it made me focus on what do I need to get at the heart of a story? How do I get immediately into the action of a story without boring people? How do I get to my point? So Instagram really helped me in just being clear and to the point. And I just started writing every single day. Well, that's the point, right? I think is that with Instagram, you were one writing for yourself. And I realize with CZ and our marketing agency, we do a ton of writing for clients. That's a different kind of writing, but it is writing. It's copywriting, it's editing copywriting, it's writing short email blasts, it's writing a, uh, a white an paper. article, a yeah. white paper, it's all, and you know, it's a, there's a ton of writing. But when you started doing Instagram and you had this vision for what you wanted McGillicuddy, your side hustle brand to be, you really started to focus on on yourself, really, and, and, and in a sense, teasing out what you wanted to say. 
I think it has to go back to expertise also. Finally, I felt like I was writing about something that I had a modicum of expertise in. Yeah, right. We work that with such sense. We work me. with clients and we get to know the content and what who they are and what they do, but I was I'm not an expert in financial services. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right? I'm an or expert tech. or tech, right? I'm an expert in vintage and it became so much easier to write when I felt like I had something worth saying. And so I think it goes back to that. And I had a passion about it. I don't know why I have a passion about vintage. That's probably another interview. But I'm passionate about living with vintage and using it in your everyday lives. And so it was easy to write about. And I think that goes back to we've had other conversations about when you go to write a book, it all has to start with that passion inside. So Wow. That is actually, we didn't even intend to bring that around today in our in our episode. But I do think that voice, just like great book writing, comes from passion. Absolutely. If you really don't care about the sentences that you lay down, if it's just, if it's just, I just want to get a book out and make some money with my marketing practice or my coaching practice or my tech, whatever it is. You know, some people have egos and they got to have a book. Mm -hmm. If that's all it is, you really will not develop your voice. Right. It's got to come from the passion. Right, and, and I think people have to care about language they have to care about word choices they have to care about their audience they have to advocate for their audience and we talk about with thesis statements that's that's one way you advocate for your audience but another way is with your voice and your word choice what are you going to say and how are you going to say it in a way that I keep on using the word delights the reader because that's what you want to do and when you start to advocate for your audience in that way then you start to care about your writing a whole lot more. And that's when I think real magic happens with your writing and you create beauty and you create really wonderful statements and arguments. Yeah, that's so good. Let's go back to the point you made about when I started to redline you Yeah. and you went back to some of the basics of good writing. Mm -hmm. Academic writing isn't good writing it just isn't it's a certain form of writing and you're really writing for probably your dissertation committee if you're a PhD mm -hmm. but there's a small circle that you have to tip your hat to so right. it's a certain type of writing right and it's true whether it's an English PhD uh, business whatever it is it's just a certain kind of writing but to really move people and to engage people and to draw people along and take them on a journey in your writing requires going back to some of the basics of writing that you probably didn't learn in high school right. and you didn't learn in college. Right. And so could you talk a little bit about that? Just about, and you mentioned this already briefly, but maybe just list a few more. One is sentence length and mixing it up in terms of cadence. Right. What are some other elements? I would say word choice. I talked about verbs also. If you can, he ran very quickly. You could say he ran rapidly. Or, or he ran, he sprinted. <laughs> he sprinted, even better. Right. Get right. rid he of sprinted. the. Yeah, absolutely. There's a way to create more action in the sentence simply by creating, choosing a stronger verb. The book that we always talk about in this book is, is, is the Bible on writing is Strunk and White, the elements right, of right. style. Right, pick that and up. And it's such a small book, and there's so much packed into it. Mm -hmm. But if you start 
to apply even a small part of that book, your writing will pick up speed, it will become easier to read, and you will begin to develop your voice. I think it's really important that you can't develop your voice without learning to write. Right. I would agree with that. And being able to identify things like jargon, right, right. and cliches. So many people write with cliches unknowingly. And so you need to be able to say, whoa, I'm about ready to drop a cliche down. And it just pause, reflect, and think, if I were talking to a friend and explaining this to a friend, how would I say this differently? That's always what I do in my mind. Or how could I create an image around this cliche and try to state it in a fresh way? So it's really about slowing down the process, identifying the cliches, identifying the jargon, and saying, how can I say this in a fresh way? And I think another part of developing your voice, a basic, is just learning how to tell a good story. Boy, that's so true. I think we should do a whole podcast on that, but really getting to a moment of tension right at the get-go and then not resolving it possibly until later on after you've done some more writing in between, explanation in between. So writing a great story is difficult to do and not putting in unnecessary details that nobody really cares about that doesn't forward your your story at all. I mean, that's huge. People put in way too many unnecessary details and well, stories. We always have a joke uh, that the Getz boys, my brother and yeah. me, and my dad, and my sons, we can't tell jokes. For some reason, we go hunting every year in North Dakota, and we hang out with these older gentlemen who are my dad's cronies. And they can tell Oli and Lena jokes that will make you, I mean, they're so hilarious. Some of them are profane. Some of them are just plain what we would call a good old-fashioned dirty joke and my dad is never happy especially when my sons were younger and they're 10 years old and these 60 year old men are telling these dirty jokes right but they know how to tell a joke there's cadence involved but the thing that strikes me that you just said is that there's not there's not the wrong amount of details in there right right so when I start to tell a joke I'll go dot 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 and I'll get distracted by the details then I lose the cadence I lose the punchline, and by the time I do tell the punchline, they're like, dude, you should have given, to that, given that to us 30 seconds ago. And so it's hard to tell a, jo a good joke. The same is true with a story when you write a story. Absolutely. I do want to point out something. You started this whole story about you not telling a good joke with the statement, I don't know how to tell a good joke. And that instantly got me and wanted to make me listen to the rest of your story. And then you told the story about how other people tell great jokes, but I'm like, tell me why you can't tell a great joke. I want to hear that. So I think that that's... <laughs> I'm encouraged today. <laughs> I think that's actually a pretty good example of how you raise tension at the beginning, right? I, right, I don't exactly. tell a great joke. And then, okay, tell me why you don't tell a great joke. So there's this the suspense that you can create that's, in storytelling. That's really good. So let's, oh, this is great. This is such a rich conversation. So let's talk about voice as it relates how we communicate to others and also the noise in our head. For example, if I'm bubbly in public, does my writing, is my writing bubbly? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Does, right. does our personality, 
does our writing take on our personality? I absolutely believe it does. I think that if there's an edge to you in the way you communicate with people, if you're kind of iconoclastic and you say things that are kind of rough around the edges, and that's how you're going to speak in your writing. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be true to who you are if you did it, if you wrote a different way. And I'm trying to think of my voice, and maybe you can answer this, but I'm trying to connect, think of how why people connect with me in my Instagram posts, and it's usually because there's an underlying softness and emotion, a connectivity to it, and I think that that's how I am in real life. So There is definitely a warmth to your writing yeah. that on Instagram. Because yeah. I read your posts. Yeah. I don't read everyone. I don't stalk you. <laughs> I could stalk you. But but when I when I read those posts, it's different from some of the writing we do at our marketing agency, right? right? right. Because it's for clients and it's blah, 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 blah. It, it, there is a warmth to it. There is a richness of language. I think you are both. One of the things that it makes you unique, I think, is that because of your English background and you have a... Uh, great command of the English language and yet I think you've learned to dial it back a little bit to the right um, it's like a throttle right that you you don't you don't you're not wide open on stuff and you dial it back just a little bit mm -hmm. and it creates a warmth it creates a richness and yet there's great use of language and I think that your audience, well, obviously your your Instagram account is blown up, right? So, but there people respond. I was just noticing the other day you had like thirty six comments. People wonder how to do social media. They need to talk to you because <laughs> you have more engagement in your posts. And I think your commitment to voice and language is a direct result. Of right. That. I think it's because you want people to connect with you whether it's because you're sarcastic or because you say something that nobody else would say. You want people to connect with you, and I think he, that's the only way to do it is by being you and and giving something to for people to latch on to. So, yeah, it goes back to voice. It all goes back to voice and being true to who you are. One more point about voice. This had to be 15 years ago, and you and I worked with a client who had a book idea and out of the goodness of our heart we were working uh, with her on her digital marketing but she also had a book and she was pitching an agent and she wanted me to take a read-through of her book and so I read through the book and the book was salesy which is another kind of voice mm -hmm. but it was very narcissistic and it was I did this and then I did this and it was almost like a sales brochure. It was hmm. basically 250 pages of a sales brochure and it was stinky. Hmm. And that is a kind of voice and she never was able to get that book published. And it was one of those points where I, it was hard for me as someone who was providing a service to her and this was part of that. Right. I really wasn't getting paid for it. And I had a hard time explaining to her that her voice was such a turnoff that it, it, I mean, I read one paragraph and I thought, I do not want to continue writing this book, reading this book. So what do you do if you're that person that some, and you have a narcissistic voice and you're like, that's my voice. I don't know how to change it. I do think you need, you need honest feedback. 
And you, what you need is somebody to say to you, you need a developmental editor to say to you, listen, when you frame it this way, it creates this sense that you're the hero in every story. There's mm-hmm. never any self-deprecation. There's never any self-reflection. And that kind of writing, uh, you could probably self-publish that and sell about nine copies, one right. to your mom and your uncles and your aunts. But it's not something that's ever going to catch fire because it's so, it just, there's no tension and ultimately the voice is such a turnoff it's such a turnoff that's such a great point i was also thinking as you were talking about another type of voice that isn't really successful is just the rote mechanical how-to unless you're learning how to like change a tire in a car or replace an engine or whatever my husband reads those kind of manuals unless it's a manual those dry kind of books really aren't going to engage readers either they're lifeless so I I guess it goes back to how do you add life to your story how do you add life to your writing how do you add life to your book and voice can do that it's adding yourself to it adding yourself to it that thing that's unique about you and you have to trust that you have that Mm -hmm. you really do Mm -hmm. And, and we all doubt that we do or that it's interesting to anybody else right right what you're getting at is you do have a voice and it is in you. One of the most helpful things I heard is that so many people think that a voice is external of you and you have to develop it to get it. Like it's external, like you can only get it if you do A, B, C, and D. And we're saying a little bit of that, but I guess the point is that the voice is inside of you and what activities are you going to do to draw that out? And I think you know, you can begin to read more, you can begin to write more, you can pay attention to your word choice, to your sentence structure. You can ask somebody to come alongside you and do developmental editing and read and redline like you did for me and give you honest feedback. And all those things will help you refine your voice. One last takeaway would be find writers whose voice you'd like to emulate. Yes. For me, I'd always loved Ernest Hemingway. I read mm-hmm. for there was a stretch in my 30s that I read almost everything he wrote. And I also have read almost everything Annie Dillard has written. And then she led me to a bunch of writers. And there is something about the sparse uh, sentence that is something that I've really aspired to write. So I do think that your voice, you're not copying them because you cannot co- ever copy anybody. Right. But I think you can aspire to better writing by reading better writers and trying to develop your voice along some of those lines. Right. And for me, I love Willa Cather. I love the way that she describes the Nebraska landscape. What's her name? Willa Cather, my Antony. Her writing is beautiful, and it, it strikes me over and over again. And I think one point is don't just read nonfiction if you're a nonfiction writer. Read fiction. Yeah. Because that will help you frame... Read good fiction. Read good fiction, not just John Grisham. Not that he's not a great writer, but (laughs) literature, you know, the stuff that I was studying in college. Stuff that, you know, these authors work to lay down a sentence. The language matters to these authors. Right. And it should... Read those people. Read those people. Absolutely. Language matters. Your voice matters. And voice is you caring about language. Dave, I think that's a wrap. Is there anything we want to tell our listeners today? I just want to remind them that we have an online course. It's all about developmental editing. It deals with voice. 
It deals with structure and thesis and how to developmental edit yourself. The best way to get the course is just go to our website, journey66.com, click on the navigational link, online course, and you can purchase the course from there. Be sure to email us, Dave and Melissa at journey66.com, and let us know how you're doing. Also, I want to add, it's October. Christmas is just around the corner. Maybe if you have a friend who has said, I want to write a book, don't know where to start, this would be a great gift to give to them, the online course. Uh, I would love to get that gift. The, the course is there's 10 lessons, and there are 15 activities, very detailed activities. You'll really, really come away from it with practical help to move you along in your writing and your book writing journey. And that's what we're all about here, moving you along on the journey. That's right. Thanks again for joining us today. I'm Melissa Parks. And I'm Dave Getz. Now buckle up and write.